Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Justice Revolution, um, brand new show uh, hosted by James the Patriot, uh, who has been tirelessly helping people all over the internet and around the country uh, find remedy to the sticky situations we find ourselves in here. Um, today, we're going to be talking about um, how to write a lawsuit from scratch. So we have an open chat. Please answer, ask your questions in the chat and we will go ahead and do our very best to get them answered. Um, also our co-host today is Erica. Um, Erica, who you might've met previously in some of our previous videos, is a critical care nurse who lost her job um, standing up for truth and not wanting to, um, I guess say, um, have her rights taken, which many of us around the country have had that in the last few years. And uh, she's taken some action back uh, with help from James and many others in learning how to stand up for herself. And that is primarily what this podcast is all about. It's learning how to take the law into your hands and not be subject to the legal system, the lawyers and so forth and so on. You can fight back. You have rights for yourself. So with no further ado, um, James, nice to see you guys today. Thank you. Good to see you. Erica, how is life in your beautiful slice of the neighborhood? Oh, it's. I have a banner existence currently. <laughs> this whole situation that happened a little over a year ago has opened up my world to an entirely different um, way of thinking, acting, living, being. Uh, and it's it's bleeding into every area of my life and my whole world has come alive. So um, it's been pretty exciting. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Well, I appreciate you being here. Thanks for uh, co-hosting with me. Um, <clears throat> yes. Uh, thank you, Justice. Appreciate that uh, rousing introduction. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. No, I really do appreciate that. Um, you know, like Justice says, I, I do get uh, I, I do get a lot of people asking questions on Telegram you know, I get a lot of people sending me direct messages asking for help, and I wish I could help everybody. I really do. I, unfortunately, I'm only, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Uh, I work full time as much as I would love to do this full time. <laughs> I gotta I gotta get some remedy to my suits here. So, um, so I do the best I can. So please bear with me if I don't answer your question right away. If it takes me a day or two to get back to you, um, I do travel quite a bit for my uh, my day job. So. Um, Sometimes I'm traveling and I, I don't have a chance to get there, but I will get back to you. Just let that know. So, uh, so yeah, like today, what I wanted to go over um, <clears throat> specifically was a lot of you have been asking in the Telegram group and Affidavits 101, they, wanting an, an update on my uh, school district cases that I filed um, a little over, let's see, it's almost not quite two years now. It's been a little over a year. Um so I filed suit against uh, a local school district here for imposing these COVID mandates on uh, on my kids. And um, we have been going back and forth. There's been a flurry of motions like Dr. Dr. Graves talks about. Um, a long story short, it, it's 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 culminated to the point where there was my I had a lawsuit some friends of mine had one as well. It was very similar. Matter of fact, they they're good friends of mine, so they took um, they took the suit and filed it. The court saw this and they consolidated the two cases into one, which they can do. And we filed an amended complaint. And granted, I'm not 
I'm a lot better now than I was then. Let me put it that way. Um, and reading the law and understanding the law, all, all sorts of things. And so when I realized the mistake that I made, um, we petitioned the court after we got a, an unfavorable ruling from the court um, to allow us to file a new amended complaint. Well, I got a ruling on on everything. There was a number of different um, there was a number of different uh, um, motions that we filed. We filed a motion to, to strike. We filed some other things. And I got a ruling from the court that I just want to share um, with everyone, which I think is interesting because um, you're, you're going to like this. Well, let me take it back. So what had happened was when, um, when we filed our, our case and when these motions were filed, if you're, if you're litigating in federal court, I just want everybody to know the chances that your case is going to be referred to a magistrate judge is pretty high. So magistrate judges, if any of you have listened to um, uh, Randy or um, Brett on Rule of Law Radio, they talk about what a magistrate judge is. And a magistrate judge really kind of handles all of the day-to-day -day work that's, that's above the grade of a paralegal, but below the grade of a district judge. So there are laws in place under the federal laws that govern the actions of of courts that allow a magistrate judge to review and issue what's called a report and recommendation okay so what they do is they review the complaint they review any motions that are filed um asking you know either asking the court to dismiss the complaint or whatever the case may be then they issue out a report and recommendation so we had one of those issued um, a little while ago. Um, actually, I want to say it was back in June, if I remember correctly. And it was not very good. Matter of fact, it, they wanted to dismiss everything. And I filed a response to that report and recommendation, and I lit up the magistrate judge. I lit her up. Um, and I plan on, if this, if this case doesn't go the way that I want it to go, I plan on filing... Um, judicial misconduct complaints against both uh, this this district judge here, Tina Campbell, and against Cecilia Romero, who's the magistrate judge. But without getting too far off into the weeds, what we got is I got this, um, let's see, this was filed on November 1st. I got this report from the district judge who read my opposition and she read our complaint and she read everything. And basically what what she ended up coming up with here is um she essentially is <clears throat> she's essentially granting their motions to dismiss but she's also extending us an olive branch in that she's giving us an opportunity till november 23rd to file a motion for leave to amend along with our amended complaint okay so it's right here. Consequently, the court adopts the rule, the report and recommendation, denies plaintiff's motion for default and grants defendant's motion to dismiss. The court allows plaintiffs to file a Rule 15A1 motion requesting leave to amend the amended complaint, but it must be filed by November 23rd, 2022. Okay. And if you go on and read through this, she goes into, I mean, this is uh, how many, this is 27 pages. 
she goes through and talks about all the reasons why, you know, we didn't do what we should have done and this and that and everything else. And, and I, you know, at, at first glance in reading this, I was really upset. Um, but this right here is what gives me, gives me hope. And I'll, and I'll tell you guys why. So, um, so with that, um, I just wanted to ask Erica or Justice if you guys have any comments or anything you want to share on this. You know, what, what do you guys read between the lines as you see this? I think this is great. Like, it's essentially them providing us education on what it is that they're looking for. Exactly. That's, that's exactly. beautiful because we, we didn't grow up speaking their language. Exactly. You know? All of us, like just me for in particular, I didn't even get into knowing anything about the law until I knew that something had gone dreadfully wrong and that this shouldn't be able to be happening. Yes. And so as I'm digging into it, then I'm finding out more, but I'm still nowhere near the level of needing to be able to fill out these complaints properly. Right. Um, so yeah. this is this is great that they're taking the time to um, educate you. So from what I understand, this is one of the benefits to going into court pro se because Correct. it's their duty. They have to provide you with the proper information that you're missing. And once a lawyer gets involved, you kind of can get shot in the foot, so to speak. Something like that. Right, James? Well, yeah. And their duty, the lawyer's duty is to the public law. And to the court system before right. the Correct. duty is to us. Like Correct. everyone right. who talks to me and says, why aren't you getting a lawyer? I'm like, why would I? I'm completely right. competent to try to figure out my own remedy here. It's just well, gonna be most people don't know that, right? That That is reality, but that actually falls into conspiracy. People, oh no, mm -hmm. they're, they're all for us. They're all for the people. So that can play on the conspiracy. But as far as pro se goes legally, am I wrong about that, James? The justice if you're representing yourself, has to provide you with the remedy that you're missing. It, this is it right here. And right. she spells it out for us, okay? Right. So Rule 15A of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, and she puts this right. This is why I'm saying, okay, I'm not a fan of this judge, just so you guys know. I've seen some of her rulings, and a lot of her rulings are very politically biased. Now, set that aside. She also knows and understands that we as pro se litigants are to be held to a much less stringent standard and they have a duty and an obligation to educate us, just like you said, Erica, on the proper process and procedure. So now they can't write our complaint for us. They can't put facts in our complaint to make the complaint whole. You know, they still have to apply the law and then take the facts as alleged and apply those facts to the law. They still have that obligation and duty. But what I love is, you know, I brought up in my opposition, in which she says right here, within their opposition to the report and recommendations, plaintiff embed a request for leave to amend their amended complaint. So we've already amended our complaint once. And she talks about how district court should freely give leave to amend when justice so requires. Now, Rule 15A allows a judge to deny a motion to amend because of undue delay, bad faith, or dilatory. I can't even say that word. It dilatory looks like dilatory. Motive. Dilatory, dilatory. I don't know. Dilatory motive on the part of the movement. Repeated failure to cure deficiencies by amendments previously allowed. Undue prejudice on the opposing party by virtue of allowance of the amendment and futility of the amendment. 
Okay. So what she's talking about here, this, this, this rule is a local court rule. So those of you who are watching, if you're in federal district court in your state, so Erica in Indiana, your court is going to have local court rules. Those rules have to be in compliance with the federal rules of procedure, but they're going to be a supplement to that. Okay. So here under our local court rules, it states that a party moving for leave to amend, they must attach the proposed amended pleading to a motion requesting this leave. So what does this mean, people? What this means is I now have till November 23rd to file my motion for leave to amend and to file my amended pleading. That's not a lot of time to write up. I basically got to scrap the old lawsuit and write up a new one. And I'll tell you another reason why. Further on down here in, in this order, the judge says, based on the above, the court orders the following. Plaintiff's claims against the Davis School District individual defendants are dismissed without prejudice. Plaintiff's claims against the Weber defendants are dismissed without prejudice. Plaintiff's First Amendment claims without prejudice. Fourteenth Amendment claims without prejudice. Fourth and Thirteenth Amendment claims without prejudice. Ninth Amendment claim with that one is denied with or dismissed with prejudice. The so, will you explain what those mean, with and without prejudice? Yes. If it says with prejudice. That basically means that no facts alleged can support a cause of action in federal court under this, this claim. Okay. So now what I have to do is I have to go back and I have to write up a new lawsuit, basically based off of these right here. Our state law claims um, are dismissed with prejudice. My Utah constitutional claims are dismissed without prejudice. And my request for declaratory injunctive relief is without prejudice. Okay. So taking this, I mean, this is what I'm saying is this judge has basically just told me this is what's going to hold water. This won't. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that sometimes I'll get people, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, this judge didn't even read my complaint. They're so stupid and blah, 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 blah. You know, you got, you got to realize that these people are extremely busy. They're, they're um, adjudicating a number of cases, especially over the last couple of years. The caseload has skyrocketed yeah. for reasons. <laughs> like, like Alphonse talks about, it's a target-rich environment. Okay. So with that being said, I'm now at, at, at square one. Okay. So where do I start? What do I do? Well, what I did after reading this motion, or excuse me, this order, is I sat back and said, okay, now I need to see exactly what would work and knowing the basis of my suit. So the basis of my suit was you have a political subdivision, a school district, which is a political subdivision of the executive branch that was issuing orders as if it had the same effect as law, right? So uh, just on the surface, I mean, that obviously violates so that's what you would re, re, uh, refer to color of law, right? Exactly. Under the color of law. Yes, exactly. So that, that, that alone violates the separation of powers doctrine. You know, there's, 
there's been multiple cases that have said, you know, hey, Congress cannot delegate its lawmaking authority. Congress is specifically enumerated as a lawmaking uh, agency. And this, this is what I want to really, what I really want people to know and understand. Let me get to the right spot here and I'll show you exactly is that under our constitution, okay, under the constitution, if it is not specifically written, it is prohibited. Okay. So just so everybody knows and understands, if it is not specifically written, it is prohibited. Okay. So let me show you this right here. United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 1. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and House of Representatives. Okay? Pretty, pretty simple, right? Right. Okay? So what does that exactly – I mean, let me just ask you guys. What? How do you guys interpret that? The only ones who can make the law are the people in the Congress. Right. Okay? So are they – you know, according to that, are they able to say, okay, you know what? I, I just don't want to come to work today. I'm going to go ahead and just give this authority to Joe Blow over here, who happens to head one of the administrative agencies that's under the executive branch. No. Nope. Yeah. Okay. That's what, that's what that means. So. Yeah. When, it doesn't say in there, the school district can make up laws in your local health board can make up laws and no now the agent so the, the the courts have defined over the years that the agencies have every authority to make policies and rules that affect the uh, proper administration of their agency but that's only for their agency it's not for individuals such as you know us men and women and our children it's not to apply to them in so much that it violates one of their constitutionally secured rights. And if it does, then that individual is afforded an opportunity to petition the redress of that grievance to either have that, that uh, policy or procedure revoked or to grant an exception. This is how this works. Okay. So as after I read that report and that order from the judge, and I apologize, I woke up with a little bit of a cold this morning. So if I sound raspy, that's why. Um, so after I read that report from that, that judge, I sat back and started thinking, I'm like, okay, now I'm back to square one. <clears throat> what do I know? I mean, I know for a fact that I was agreed that we were wronged. My children were harmed. My, my oldest daughter, um, she spent her entire eighth grade year in our house, her entire eighth grade year. Um, I think she went to school for a little bit, but for the most part, she was home. And luckily for me, I mean, she's, she's a, a, I couldn't ask for a better daughter. Um, she's a very resilient person, um, very outgoing like myself. She makes friends easily. But to say that she wasn't emotionally damaged or physically damaged by that, it, I'd be lying. My other children who couldn't stand sitting in the house chose to go, but they complained day in and day out. And they were sick more frequently than not. Because like, as Erica can attest to, they were forced to cover their face and their nose, their nose and their mouth the entire time. So as you sit back and think about this, you go, okay, well, I know I was wronged. 
So exactly how was I wrong and what cause of action can I take? So I sat back and thought, oh, you know what? I wonder, you know, because, you know, I'm, I'm always on Telegram looking at other options, looking at what other people post. And I was reminded of a conversation, Erica, that you and I had actually, where I sent you the ruling on that district judge in, in Florida, the one that ended the mask mandate on transportation. Do you remember that right. conversation? Oh, yeah. Did you read that ruling by chance? I'm curious. Oh, yeah, very much so. They vacated on three different counts specifically, not having the uh, statutory authority. And I don't know, I don't have it right in front of me. But yeah, there was three very clear reasons that they gave and then vacated them. Yeah. So <clears throat> now the next thing that I do is knowing that I'm like, OK, well, I want to see that complaint. Since this was this was a public thing and it was issued publicly, the complaint is is available. I don't know if you guys knew this, but every lawsuit that's filed up until there's either um, a settlement, excuse me, that dictates whether there's a non-disclosure agreement or not. If that if that case is not sealed, it's available, and you can find it on the court system. Mm, I didn't know that. Yep. And so that's available under, um, so it's, it's uh, here and I'll just I'll show you guys. It's, a, oh, let me get to the right spot. It's available on uh, Pacer. <clears throat> let me just do the entire screen here. So you would go to this website here, pacer.login.uscourts.gov. You, you'll have to sign up for an account. I, I obviously already have one. And then you would say, where would you like to go? goes to the case locator. So what I knew is because I had a copy of that decision, I knew the case number and I knew the title. So that's all you need is a case number and a title. You can also do an advanced case search where you can search based off of um, at least one of these is required in here. Um, you can also do um, based on the date range. There's a few other different things you can do um, with this, but as long as you have that information, the case number and the title, you can find the case, which I did. So here it is right here. Whoops. Let me do this. Let me just share that one instead. Okay. Here it is. This is the case. This is the lawsuit that ended the mask mandate for everybody across the United States. It's right here. So these people, that this is the Health Freedom Defense Fund, good, good, good uh, organization. They put this together. And now I'm like, okay, as I was reading through this, I go, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I need. This is exactly what I need because these people here were alleging that <clears throat> this guy who thinks or pretends he's president, <laughs> um, the Department of Health and Human Services, um, and Centers for Disease, Disease Control, those are federal, well, some of them are federal agencies. The CDC is a private organization. so yeah, I It's an NGO, right? Yeah, yeah, they're an NGO. So um, <clears throat> anyway, they were named in this suit. Now, this is just a declaratory relief. So they're not asking for damages. They were just asking the, the court to say, hey, can they do this? And if they can't, end it, which is what happened. So now I can take this and go, okay, um, 
I'm going to use this as the basis for my suit. Obviously, I'm not going to copy this word for word because, well, it, th this is for people in federal areas and I'm not in federal. But federal laws apply in all states. You guys, you guys knew that, right? You knew that, Erica, right? I knew that. Yep. So when I looked at this here, I'm like, okay, so they're challenging the validity of an executive order. Okay, I can do the same thing. Our governor issued an executive order. Um, our health department issued mandates or whatever that school districts were quote unquote required to follow mm -hmm. that, they on, that they then handed down to our kids. Okay. So you can talk all about this stuff here. And as I was reading through this, I go, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need. Um, and this gives me everything that I need in order to be able to take these guys on properly. And according to the provisions that the judge laid out in her order. Okay. So this is one of uh, Eric and I spent some time yesterday <clears throat> going over um, her lawsuit. And we talked about how do we lay it out properly? What I suggest you guys do is that you find a suit that's already been written and that will do and looks the way that you want it to and do the best you can to copy it and paste it. You don't, you don't need to reinvent the wheel here. There's no sense in reinventing the wheel, right? right. We, we talked about that on the last podcast. So do your best to search something closest to what you're looking to do and use the chat for help, you know, ask people in there to help guide you, especially brand new people and uh, people that some of this stuff doesn't make sense to as I am one of those brains. So yeah. that's why I'm here. I'm, I'm the basic simple question asker for those who, it doesn't really ring with some of this language and stuff doesn't ring with some people. Yeah. But don't let that frighten you. No, yeah. Don't let it frighten you. I mean, this, this is a process. Like I said, I mean, I wrote that, that school district lawsuit two years ago. Yeah. And it was the very first one I'd ever written. And I'm, I'm so much better now than I was then. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys can attest to that. I was, yeah. <laughs> you know, I just actually not even two minutes before I jumped on here. I just finished uh, writing a reply brief um, to another motion to dismiss that we got on another case. What case so was that? That was the uh, um, that was the Mike Brown case where he was um, unlawfully hauled out of the state capitol. Right. Okay. So, Good. Yep. So as I look at this, I'm like, okay, this is going to fit what I want. So then the next thing I do is like, okay, I want to look at their causes of action. What did they list here as their causes of action? Right. <laughs> so let's go down here. All right. So they're, they're, they're seeking declaratory relief. All right. I don't need to seek declaratory relief now. Right. Because we, we don't still have a standing mask mandate in place. Matter of fact, right. the Utah legislator implemented a law that prohibits that. So I don't. So declaratory relief isn't proper because, you know, we're not seeking. We don't need a court to say, well, yeah, what they did in the past was unlawful. Right. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't help, but what does help is, as I scroll down here and I look at count one, okay. Agency action, not in accordance with law and in, ex in excess of authority, violation of APA. Well, what's APA? Erica, want to take a stab at what APA is? Um, something about administrative procedurals act or something. There you go. Yep. You got it. It's this one right here. Five USC 706. Okay. Under the Administrative Procedures Act, a court must hold unlawful and set aside agency action that is in excess of statutory authority or limitations or short of statutory right. 
Okay. So these agencies were purporting to get their authority from this federal law here. So now, obviously, I want to tie this into state. So there's going to be a state law that's going to be similar to it. But guess what? This is a federal law. It absolutely applies and I can use it. So here's a here's a new cause of action that wasn't in my original complaint that I can go after him for. Okay. There's the first one. Here's the second one down here. Failure to provide notice and comment under the Administrative Procedures Act. They are required to provide notice and to get comments from the public on any new regulations or um, policies that they want to enforce. They didn't do that. They just sweeping, just did it. Okay. This is how we can overcome that. Okay. Count three, arbitrary and capricious agency action. Oh boy. Doesn't that apply? <laughs> Count four. Ooh, this is a good one. Unconstitutional delegation of legislative power. Mm. Didn't, we, didn't we just talk about this? Mm -hmm. Violation United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, as to the mask mandate. Guess what, folks? Throw your state constitutions in there, too. Every single one of them has a provision just like this. Three separate branches of government that are equal. Three separate branches of government. And no branch can exercise the authority vested in the other. Okay, so right. that's going to be one of your counts. That's a cause of action. People don't realize that, but it is unconstitutional exercise of legislative power. Violation of the separation of powers doctrine. Mm -hmm. Violation of the. Oh, wait a minute. What amendment is this? What's what's X in Roman numerals? Tenth amendment. It's a tenth amendment. You guys, you, the tenth. So first of all, the ninth and tenth amendments. I just watched a video on this. And this individual, I don't remember her name, but she talks about why those are the two most crucial, crucial amendments and really in, in the entire Constitution and why they are so important. So, um, sorry, I just got sidetracked there for a second. Okay. And then here's their prayer for relief. Now, I when I found this, I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to take this. Now, now, this is a PDF document. I have a program where I can actually just take this and convert it into a Word document so I don't have to go through and retype this whole thing. I can just go through and pick and choose what I want to change. Um, and then I can add in some additional causes of action. So I'm also going to add in violation of, uh, what is that, uh, Eric, you have it in your suit, the 360 triple B. Right, 360 triple B. Yeah, right. Yeah, emergency, emergency use authorization violations. Yep. Yep. Because again, the, the masks were only approved at, uh, under the EUA. So it's a medical device. So you had to be, a, as a federal right, you were guaranteed the right and privilege of being able to A, have informed consent and B, the, the option to refuse. They didn't give us those options. It was, it was either this or nothing. Like with the schools, I don't know where it is in your states you guys are in, but here in Utah, it was you either come to school and wear a mask or you stay home. There was no... Oh, I still want to come to school and be able to gain that experience of being able to learn with my peers, but I don't want to have to muzzle myself to do it and, and force breathe in my own air. No. They wouldn't so I just want to, um, I think we have two remedies for this person. 
Etain, I'm not quite sure if that's a male or a female name, Etain, I'm assuming it's a female, I could be wrong, um, is, if that's how you say it, apologize if it's not. But um, as we had Kathleen on, I think her quick form could help this person gain access to her father now, and then what we're doing here, they can turn around now and hold these people accountable for violating her rights. Is that, do you see that yeah, as a absolutely. good thing for her? I mean, we're still seeing this mask mandates madness in healthcare facilities. Still. I mean, in hospitals. And, and they're still requiring the jabs oh my for employment. Can you believe it? With everything that we know about it. I had a young nurse contact me just today. I don't know if she's watching. I told her about it, but um she can't get a job because they've changed the requirements in their contracts. Like before I could just say, you you know, my contract was breached because you're expecting me to do something that's not in it. Now they're including them in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and, and, and it just, it's mind boggling. These people think they're so they're just above the law. They can just keep getting away with this, getting away with this. Um, you guys probably heard recently. They, the, well, the they are getting away with it. Yeah. Well, they, they think they're getting away with it. And they mm -hmm. are. They are for the time being. Right. But eventually, I mean, you guys have all heard that, you know, karma, what goes around comes around. Eventually, the chickens are going to come home to roost. Mm -hmm. So um, <clears throat> you guys heard recently the, the New York State Supreme Court issued that uh, New York City's mask are not masked, but their vaccine policy was unconstitutional and they had to give all of those people their jobs back plus back pay. No, the, the mayor is still doubling down. He is defining, he's defying a, a, a Supreme Court court order. All right. So, so now here's the question I have is, okay, so what's the remedy there? So if I go to court and I get a judge to issue an order and the people he issued the order against are still refusing to do what the judge is ordering. What's my remedy? You got you um, motion for contempt. File a motion to show cause. File a motion for contempt. for contempt. Correct. So it's it's called a motion to show cause why they should not be held in contempt of court. Okay. You guys need to come to court and say, well, hey, this is why we can't follow this order. And we have good reason. There's good cause. Well, there is no good cause. In this case, you're just refusing to do this because you think you know more than these than than the judges do. Well, even the lawsuits that are uh, a lot of people that are winning the lawsuits in their lawsuit, they're asking for proof of harm and proof of this pathogen and proof of yeah. And the, the they are getting dismissed and they're finding relief in these laws because they can't provide the proof. So keep yeah. that in mind too. Ask for proof. As for yeah. evidence, actually, right? That's the correct word. Yeah, it's it's evidence. I mean, at, at the end of the day, and Dr. Graves will say this, and, and I'm going to, by the way, I'm going to email him and we'll have him on a, on a future episode. I know he'll, he would be happy to join us, but um, Great. Dr. Graves has is, is, is always said this, and he and he preaches this throughout his course, the, the how to win in court, is um, evidence rules, admissible evidence rules, okay? So you have to, you have to be able to prove, I mean, that's the nice thing about civil litigation. Is, is the burden of proof there is you, you just have to allege um, beyond a preponderance that this is what happened. There's no beyond a reasonable doubt. That's that's the standard at the criminal level in at the civil litigation, just a preponderance of evidence. And you can allege all of that stuff. You don't have to present any of that stuff with your initial complaint. Now, I like to, 
I like to I like to give them everything I've got, and let them try and weasel their way out of it. Like you know, like I just did with uh, with Mike's case. I just threw it right back in the attorney's face and I said, "Dude, you're a freaking moron, and you're wasting my time and you're wasting the court's time." Because now, by them filing this motion to dismiss, now we have to file a reply. They're going to file a reply to my reply, and then the court's going to take three or four months before they issue a ruling on it. When we could have just done away with this earlier, but no, this is this is how they like to just gum up the system. So, but the good news is, is the courts are catching on to this, and they're not they're they're not going to sit by and just say, "Hey, this is okay." Um, I've actually seen some rulings from even some magistrate judges where they said, "Hey, if you guys don't find a way to work this out, um, I'm going to issue sanctions against you," which is which is great. So, okay, so here is the grounds for the lawsuit with this uh, person. Okay. Oh boy. Yeah. So that's definitely a lawsuit, um, which yeah. I think we're going to wrap the show up with how to begin writing your own lawsuit. Right, James? Yeah. Yeah. So what do we, do you want to use this as an example of how you would get started? Yeah. So, so you have guardianship. They gave the jab without your consent. Okay. So essentially that's, um, I mean, really, you'd have to go back and look at, I believe that, that would constitute a breach of contract. Correct and assault, no? Yeah, it's also assault. Yeah. Assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, battery as well. Um, I'm just trying to, I'm thinking out loud here, Erica. How would you handle this one? What would, so what would I, the first thing I would do is look through very clearly on what guardianship constitutes, right? Like what every single part of, like I have guardianship of my father and they gave him the jab without my consent. So um, yeah, I would look at the specifics of what the guardianship papers say make sure that they were in possession of the guardianship papers. Is there a way to prove that they knew that um, the guardianship papers were on file? Because yeah. uh, I'm just thinking as a nurse, like, first of all, I would never, I, I don't know. I, I just don't do things to people unless they're totally aware. So that's another question that I would ask, like, was he aware? Was Did he have the, the ability to appear to consent on his own the guardianship paperwork most likely says that he doesn't have the ability to do that that's why i'm curious to see what specifically is in that paperwork yeah because generally a guardianship is is um conveyed by a court in order in order for for one to have guardianship over another you've got to go to a court and a judge has to sign off on that correct yeah i'm not no. sure what that whole process looks like but yeah i would check into that first yeah. And then just start seeing where the violations are. That's yeah. what I, that's the whole thing of everything that I'm doing lately. I'm learning how it's supposed to be, whatever the situation, I'm learning what's supposed to be. And then anything that's outside of what's supposed to be, you find out what the violation of it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, and, and, and Eric and I've had this conversation a number of times is just take out a pen and paper write it down. You know, what, what you want to do is, is your lawsuit is your story. So you're telling a story of who did what to when and, and why, excuse me, why that violated the law. It's pretty simple. 
you just got to write that down and you want to you want to write it in a way where it makes sense so um the first thing that you want to do is just collect your thoughts go okay what happened this is what happened okay who was involved write that down who was involved once you have the the what and the who then you can add okay well where did this happen when did this happen um now that i have that stuff okay now i can sit back and go okay now i need to understand okay what exactly happened were my were my federally protected rights were those violated because for me i, I just I, guys this is just me take it for what it's worth i feel like these state courts are a complete waste of time that's just me um these state judges are you know dr graves will probably um disagree with me and that's okay he's entitled to, to to his opinion there he's you know he's litigated in 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 florida and other cases in other states but where i'm at here i have not seen any judge that adheres to the rule of law hmm. here and it doesn't matter if it's at the district court on up to the supreme court i'm not seeing that that's just what i'm what i'm seeing here so yeah. So you skip it all together, you're saying, and you go straight to the federal court. I just go straight to the federal court because I can I can take any action and say, yes, that violated my constitutionally secured right. Guys, the 14th Amendment, oh, it's such a broad sweeping amendment. One of the things I love about it, and, and Erica knows this, is you have a 14th Amendment protected right to refuse unwanted medical treatments. That's a 14th protected right. 14th Amendment protected right. Okay, so write that down, Etain. The 14th Amendment, research that. Um, and I'm going to put this now in the, here. the 14th Amendment in the case of guardianship would apply to the guardian on behalf of. Yes. yes. That's where you get it because he has yep. dementia. Right. And he can't give, he can't give informed consent anyway. So Correct. for any procedure that they're conducting on him, I, I'm talking if it's a central line placement, if it's a procedure, if it's anything, they have to, the doctors always go outside of the room and call the family member the or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Yep. Right. Whoever the legal guardian is, it's in charge of making those decisions. Exactly. Right. Well, and if you've already been to court, which it shows that you have, I mean, it's clearly some major violations in here. Yeah. So this is what the thing that is what's happening is that we don't know how, which is the whole reason James wanted to do this podcast. We as a people have been hidden from our rights for a long time and we don't know how to stand up without hiring a very expensive attorney, which most people don't have that in their budget to do as they're trying to save money to retire and everything else. And that's the purpose of this. Even if it's, if you, if you learn one thing today, then that's great. And it can be overwhelming. I can certainly attest to that, but don't quit and don't get afraid. Um, go to affidavits 101 research, Dr. Graves, um, how to win in court and research Alphonse Fagiola's, uh, um, website, which is, um, I am, what is I, I'm not sure that he maintains that website. Okay. Well, he's either. got a telegram chat. Anyway, go yeah. into our affidavits 101, ask questions and we will, that's what we're there to constantly try and point people to, you know, get help. And that sometimes no one's available to answer questions, but, um, just keep trying, don't quit. And that's why I think these violations in this particular case is happening because they know that you have to take them to court and it's a huge expense and it's a huge amount of knowledge and time that people don't have. So 
Yeah. You know, when, if you're lucky enough to find a group like this, find a guy like James, you know, stick to it. And, and Erica, she's been doing amazing on her own, attaining amazing knowledge and helping people. Um, well, one of the, one of the biggest tips too, that I had that I found like without having Z without with going from having zero concept of what to do to remedy a situation, to being able to start, um, First of all, taking the how to win in court course was yes. really important for me because it took every nebulous sort of all over the place thought that I had about how it all works and simplified it in a way that goes, okay, now I know what's going on and yeah. I can totally do this. Like yeah. everybody thinks that you need to have a lawyer to represent you, um, but that takes away so much of your power. Their duty is not to help you. Their duty yeah. is to the courts and to the public law. And if helping you violates either of those two things, they're not going to do it. So it's it's actually kind of completely bizarre to even think about getting a lawyer. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing is when you go onto your court's websites, like they they show you if you're representing yourself pro se, they show you, they have specific sections for you to show what forms you're going to need. Like your entire complaint, the entire lawsuit complaint is in a drop down box that yeah. has fillable little areas that tell you what you need to address. So you don't have to just come up with it from your head and know what's in there. You do have to figure out what laws they're in violation of. But honestly, that's something that we should all be doing, right? We yeah. should all know what the laws are and everything that's in the constitution, those aren't laws for us. Those are laws to govern the people who are supposed to do one thing and one thing only, which is protect our rights. And they're not doing that. <laughs> they're not doing a very good job but of it, are they? <laughs> we can't hold them accountable if we don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Right. So this is right. all returning us to a place of you need to find out what the law, it's not that difficult. There's not that many to learn. You, yeah. And in your gut, you know when when you've been wronged on something. It just takes a little bit of research to try to figure out what the name of it is, so that you can put it in front of a judge. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that and that's, you know, Erica, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, and gosh, how how long have we been working together on your suit? Jeez, it's been months. It's been a year, <laughs> but you know, in the mean, I'm building the airplane as I'm flying it, and yeah. that's what I want to encourage everybody else to know too. I. I'm not an expert. James is not an expert. None of us is experts. We're mm. all just learning as we go because that's how important it is to fight and to stand up for the truth on stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The people who are trying to keep us away from this knowledge are part of the problem. Like we, we can't just, you know, we're so busy taking care of our families and that's why it's taken so long too, is because I work on this when I have a chance to. Yeah. I, and sometimes I don't have a chance to because I'm homeschooling. I'm working on a business. I'm like developing. I've, I've, I'm homesteading. I'm like, I've got sourdough starter. I just came from upstairs <laughs> right before I came in here. I'm like, okay, got it. You know, like, yeah, we got a million single, things going on. <clears throat> yeah, I got things going on, and we all do. But this is so important to stand in the truth of who we are. And once we do it, and we are all doing it, yeah. then they should be afraid. If they are not living according to the rules that they're supposed to be living by, yeah. then we're going to have to come after them. Yeah. You guys, Which, need to, there, there's something that's important. And then, then I just want to say this one thing. And then um, 
when I'm done with this, Justice, if you put up that question from CC here in a second, um, the important thing to remember, people, is <clears throat> we often think that the Constitution is what tells us what our rights are. And, and that is so wrong. Say that again, James. We often think that the Constitution is what tells us what our rights are. Okay. And that is not true. Right. Okay? We have rights that are not even enumerated in the Constitution. And this is what the founders knew is that, hey, we, there are certain things that we know we have a right to do that the government can't interfere with. I have a right to choose what I want to eat for lunch. I have a right to hang out with whoever I want to hang out with. What I don't have a right to do is I don't have a right to do something that's going to harm my neighbor or anyone else for that matter. That's not a, that's not a protected right. Okay. Yeah. CC's talking about it. It's the, it's often known as the natural law or the common law. Okay. Common law, really the easiest way to explain this is common freaking sense. <laughs> yeah. We're all born with it. You know, some people over time just decide to kick it to the curb and, and do whatever they want, but common law is the common sense. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have others do unto you. Okay. So when you look at the constitution, the founders are like, Hey, we need to write things down to tell the government what it can and cannot do. So the powers that are listed under each one of those sections in the constitution, those are the enumerated powers. If it's not written in the constitution, the government is prohibited from doing it. So don't get me started <laughs> on all of these government agencies that are existing today that are nowhere to be found in the Constitution. I mean, this is a massive problem that's been compounding over almost 200 years now. So, you know, this country was operating flawlessly for about the first almost 100 years. And then after that, it started to kind of tumble down and, and, and slowly but surely precious things that were enumerated in the constitution have slowly been taken out. But the best way I can explain it is, is the way that the kind of the light bulb went off in my head. Um, I was listening to a lecture series from the John Birch society. I, I turned Erica onto that. And the gentleman said, you know, the way our federal government works today is a lot like if you were to take your car into a mechanic and you say, hey, I need new brakes. My brakes are not working. I need my brakes fixed. And the mechanic says, okay, come back in, in a few days and I'll have it done. So you come back in a few days and you find out that, um, A, not only are your brakes not done, instead of doing the brakes, they decided to change out your wheels and tires, tint your windows, and they put on some new uh, windshield wipers for you. Oh, and then he hands you the bill. <laughs> and you're just like, dude, wait a second. I didn't ask you to do this. And his response is, well, you never said I couldn't. Yeah. That's how, that's how our federal government operates today. They operate under the, well, the Constitution doesn't say we can't. Well, hold on a second. It tells you exactly what you can do. And if it's not written there, you are expressly prohibited from doing it. This is what we need to understand. This is the, this is the basic concept we need to get back to. So we throw that question up on the screen from CC about Title 42. So... CC, this is a great question. Title 42, 1983. This is the, this is a statute that was enacted by Congress right after the Civil War, which gives you a cause of action to sue a state actor for violating your rights under the color of law. Okay. State actor thing does get a little confusing. Um, if you want to file against a university, this is the cause of action to use. 
Matter of fact, there's also individuals that are federal actors that can be sued under this statute. As well. That's what's known as a Bivens claim. And where that comes from is there was a lawsuit that was filed by, I can't remember his first name, but it was Bivens alleging that these federal actors violated his federally secured rights. The courts agreed and they said, okay, yes, you can do that under this statute, even though the statute talks about state actors under the color of state law. So absolutely, the federal court is where you want to go. This is my go-to cause of action because it's broad and sweeping um, and it, it encompasses a lot of your constitutionally protected rights. And it even works for um, private companies too, right? Yes. Yep. It, like everyone was saying, well, you know, your employer has the right to do whatever they want to do. Like if no, they, they do not a rubber chicken on your head, then you wear a rubber chicken on your head. Like, well, let me ask you, if, if wearing a rubber chicken on your head, is that going to harm you? Right. Is that right. going to violate any yeah. of your constitutionally secured rights? It'll make you look like an idiot. Right. Well, and if it was in my contract to do so when I signed and I knew that that was an expectation of my job. Okay. But if they all of a sudden, you know, made it that way, mm -hmm. then here's here's let's let's just talk about that real quick, though, Erica. So if if I give you an offer of employment in the contract and I say, OK, Erica, I will pay you X amount of dollars. And as a result of that, you need to go out and you need to rob three banks every month. <laughs> OK. Are you going to sign that contract? Probably not. Okay. Why not? <laughs> Yeah. because you might get some takers nowadays law. yeah right you can't you can't rob a bank okay we just know that so contracts even if it's this is this is the argument i get all the time well if the employer requires it as part of their contract and you agree to it okay the employer cannot require any unlawful activity in a contract and call right. it what the contract supersedes no that's not how it works right it's an unlawful contract it's a void contract it doesn't work that way Right. And often there, the contracts are, uh, it's almost like a sleight of hand, right? Because no right. one reads these things. You go through signing up on a website and you get four pages of this with an I agree or you can't get in. You know, that's all a trick. Yep. So yep. it's done with deception. So with all of these hospitals now, including this bit of um, a requirement to inject yourself with an unknown harmful experimental substance for the condition of your employment like what then what what can other than go someplace else i'm that's my whole thing right now and that's part of what i'm doing with my life right now is finding remedy to offer um a parallel society of sorts yeah to having to deal within the public and these people who are are combining in a racketeering scheme of epic proportions with a corrupt government, yeah, um, we have to just we have to withdraw from them. We can't give them our labors. We can't give them our effort and our treasures and our times and our talent if these em employee employers are requiring this of us. Um, but what remedy like? Can we just start sending notices of liability to these employers that what they're requiring? as part of their, yeah. um, you know, just sending, sending an informal, I don't know, how would you approach well, that, that? That's what I would do first. I mean, rather than just going straight and suing them now, often I kind of take the approach of like, okay, Hey, if you wronged me, I'm just going to sue you. Okay. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm beyond that point. But, right. Well, this but, is what we, 
I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. You're fine. This is what we had talked about when we had Kathleen on, and that's basically what she's doing. And what she's exactly. doing is she's asking for evidence and she's asking for if they're harming to, if they're intending to harm her or, yeah. you know, usurp her rights and all these things. And yeah. that is helping a lot of people because instead of the burden of proof is on them. Pro prove, yeah. prove that there's, this is necessary, prove that there's a danger, prove that I'm a danger, prove the safety. So yeah. it's, it's working amazing. Well, and that's, I, I would take that approach, right? So if let's take your friend, Erica, you're talking to who's struggling to find, to find a job because of this situation. Well, if she, if she interviews somewhere and I'm assuming it's a she, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so if she has an interview and, and she asks a question, she's like, well, is this a requirement as a result of my employment here? And they say, yes. They say, okay, well, I, I just have, here, here's where I'm at. And this is kind of the, the, the side part of it is I would send a notice of liability or kind of like a tort letter, right? It's a notice of liability it says, Hey, I'm willing to agree to this as long as you accept full liability for any and all harm or damage or anything that I will suffer from this that or I could suffer from this. I mean, you're just going to make this liability so massive that there's no way on this green earth that they're ever going to agree to this. Now, they just might say, well, we'll hire somebody else. Right. The, the reality of the situation is look at the numbers for the military. OK, ever since the, the mandate for the military, the military recruiting numbers are down double digit percentages. Right. I get it. For nurses, the same thing. Like still every day I get offers every day. $5,000 a week, please come be a nurse, please. Yeah. You know, they're so desperate. These agencies are, they're having a hard time staffing right now. Yeah. They need to make you know, it even harder. Like nurses like this girl that just reached out to me, we need to just withdraw until they stop being stupid and keep sending them the message that I, I'm not satisfied with this offer because of this. Like instead yeah. of just being quiet and shrinking away, Every single recruiter that sends me a notice, I send back, a, you know, just to get the word out there so that right. they can pass that to their higher ups and that they can pass that to their higher ups. So eventually they're telling these people, we can't find any workers because they don't want to put up with this garbage. Yeah. You know, it's it's just a contract, right? So if, they, if their offer is, well, we're going to offer you employment, but you've got to do this. You can come back and say, well, um, I will accept your employment, but I don't want to do this. So in lieu of this. Here's what I would suggest. Or what right. I, I mean, you just go back and forth and this is what Kathleen talks about. Um, but, you know, to further this on, you know, I, I would I would take the administrative approach first. I would send those letters. I go back and forth. Um, I want evidence. I want them writing. No, this is required. We require this because if I have it in writing. Oh, bing, gotcha. That'll work. Now I yeah, have it request for you. it in writing. Mm -hmm. exactly. That's a great now, idea. Now I have it from you in writing that you are stating that you are violating federal law. Boom, I've got you. Right. Now I can file a lawsuit and I can say, you denied me express employment after I said I was unwilling to do this. And I have a right under Title 21, 360 Triple B to refuse this because it's not a fully of a, and, you know, there's um, somebody recently argued in court that the Comirnaty one that's available is the same. No, it's not. It's not the same thing. Mm -mm. And the courts came back and said, no, it's not. Not the same thing. It's not even available in America. Nope. Not even close. So so that that's the approach that I would take. But um, 
just to wrap this up, we're coming up on an hour, actually a little over an hour. Um, I wanted to keep these uh, these uh, podcasts or whatever we're calling these things. These what are we, what are we calling? It, 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 people call them podcasts now, but that's typically audio. We broadcast. Yeah. Broadcast. broadcast. Sure. All right, we'll call it that. Um, <laughs> I wanted yeah. to keep this to, to just about an hour, just so um, you guys can you know if you're listening to your car or you're or you're watching this, you can get on with your day. But I, I wanted to give you some action items, things you can do. Right. So step step one is you must, and this is a must. Anybody who reaches out to me and asks for my help, I'm happy to do it. But you must have a subscription to HowToWinInCourt.com. It's 250 bucks. I know sometimes it's a lot of money to some people. Do what you can to scrounge up the money. As Erica will contest, it's it's a must-have. It's okay? this is James That's is not making money from this. He's recommending it. I am not. No. Just, no. just so you know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not making money on this now. In full disclosure, you know, so if you click on the link that's in the affidavits 101, I do get a small referral fee, but it's very small. Okay, and I don't do that because you know, Dr. Graves says, "Hey, you're sending people my way. I want to thank you." I said, "That's that's up to you, Dr. Graves. If that's what you want to do, then that's fine." Well, you should be making money. I might make a donation site for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm not, like James, I James manager. I'm good. James, I, I wanted just to, there was a question that CC just had that I saw popped up that yeah. I think is really important to answer that about, you know, the hospital saying that it was private property. Oh, yeah. Uh, saying that they could force a mask because it's private property. No, it's not private property. Sorry. No, if they receive any single dollars from the government, which yep. you bet your bippy they do. Yes, they do. And they have oh, given they're... over any private status that they might have and entered into the public. Yep. And you are protected as a public person out there in the world. I don't even yep. think, I think even one step further, if they are an entity, even if they are private, but they are servicing the public, they still cannot force harm upon. That's true yeah. too. Yeah. That's yeah that, that falls under the civil rights act of 1964. Yeah. Yep. But so the point. double whammy is collecting a few bucks from the government. Null and voids yeah. it all. Absolutely. Yeah. And see, this is what, you know, the States love to, they love to throw out their sovereignty. Well, we're a sovereign state, right? You know, and under the 11th Amendment, we're protected from suits in the federal court. Well, yes, but you took federal money and there's provisions with that. The courts have long held if you take money from the federal government, you're waiving your sovereignty status. Right. So, okay. Well, yep. Good catch, Erica. So, okay. all right. So, step number two. So, step number one how to win in court. Step number two research jump onto google jump into the telegram groups ask your questions if you're unsure of what cause of action you have ask the question in the telegram group say hey this is what happened to me what's my cause of action here what action can i take and you're going to get answers once you have a cause of action you can jump onto google and you can search sample lawsuits for and if it's a deprivation of rights just type deprivation of rights Deprivation of civil rights. Okay. That's what you need to do. Now, I, I'm I'm not a smart enough guy to just write stuff up off the top of my head. Um, sometimes I am when I'm writing my reply briefs, but when I'm writing my actual lawsuits, I need a template. I need something to follow. And there's a lot of smart people in this world that have done this long before me. Okay. So search online. You're going to find a whole bunch of options. Um, look into Google. Google's the best place. And I hate to send people there for you know, who they are, but well, you can do Yandex or yeah, whatever, Brave whatever works. Or something. Okay. And then once you have 
two or three uh, two or three samples. Also, too, let me let me throw this out there as well. If you so Alphonse has um, well, let me t uh, so Alphonse and Mind Buddy is uh, Steve Emerson down in Florida. Steve has a, a friend who put American jurisprudence on a couple of CD discs along with a number of of I mean, there's hundreds of legal documents, complaints. There's a complaint library. I search that complaint library all the time. I think Alphonse library. posted that on our Telegram. He did, yeah. yeah. So, zip drives. Yeah. Um, no, I'll go ahead and put it back in the chat because we have it in our documents file. So for those of you watching. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see if I, yeah, it's right here. So um, this, is, this is the CD right here. This is one of them. So um, <clears throat> they only work on um, a Microsoft Windows 64-bit, I want to say, system. I mean, it's really antiquated, but you'll have access to American jurisprudence. That is crucial because American jurisprudence, what that is, is that's a collection of case law that is authoritative, meaning if this is the situation, this is what must be followed. So... In addition to doing your research on Google, if you have access to that, you can search that. You can get access to that by sending Alphonse a message directly and say, hey, how do I get my hands on this American jurisprudence? He will email it or he'll direct message you back the address to send. Um, I can't remember how much it is. It's, I want to say it's like 50 or 60 bucks. I don't remember. Um, and then the guy will mail them to you in the mail. So, so once you have done your research, step number three, start writing up your lawsuit. Get a, get a draft. Get a draft written up. And once you have the draft written up, post it in the affidavits group, post it in Alphonse's group, post it in Brandon's group, the big sib, um, the big sib law, and let people just rip it to shreds. Uh, <laughs> Erica knows this all too well, right? <laughs> what are some of the things that they have said? I love it. I what love it, they, though. Yeah. So what have they said so far? Oh, let me see here. Um, there was some issues with my jurisdiction. Good. Um <clears throat> Yeah, there was issues with jurisdiction. I needed to be a little bit more specific on my parties. Um, uh, and the overall thing that was really concerning for me was that um, saying that my facts were more like opinions. Yeah. And and then, yeah, it's uh, the court only understands the language from higher courts. Speak through them. Don't use your own words. So, yeah. And that's hard because I, I'm just, I only know what I know. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that can be difficult, you know, um, going back to the school district lawsuit that I, I shared that judge's order on, that was the first one I'd ever written. Um, and when I wrote that, I was writing down the facts as I knew them. Well, I didn't realize that they were more of my opinion than it was an actual fact. Right. So for example, if I say, well, I don't have a contract with you. Um, I've never, um, I've never had a contract with you. Okay. Th that's, that's an opinion. It's not a fact. So the way you change that is say is I am not in receipt of any document that would allege that you and I have an agreement together. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That's that fact. I don't, I don't right. have it. That's a fact. Okay. So, um, so Etain, uh, would I do two separate suits, one for me and one for dad? No, you would just do one suit. Um, you actually don't have a cause of action. Your dad does. 
but you as the guardian would be his representative. You can speak for him. Now, research your laws. I don't remember what state you said you're in if you're in New York. Yeah, New York. Um, research your state laws regarding being able to um, sue on behalf of someone who is not physically capable of doing it themselves. There are rules on that under the federal rules of civil procedure. So look at those. So we'll talk about that. James. Yes. You had mentioned a, your, a child under your, uh, um, a, a, as a dependent under 18 or so forth is considered your property. Would that be the same in a situation where you have guardianship? So under the common law, they're considered your property, but in our court system, that that's not going to fly. Okay. So you can't say, well, these, these kids are my property. No, because we know I, I can't physically own another human being. I mean, that's, that's barred by the 13th amendment. We know that. So, but you, as their parent, you have parental rights and as a guardian for them, you have rights to be able to, where they can't physically or mentally stand up for themselves because they're not quite there yet. They're not developed enough to do it on their own. You can step in as a parent and say, hey, school district, you violated my child's rights. And as a result, you're liable to me, the parent, for doing so. So that's that's the way you would do that. You'd still refer to them as your children. Um, most federal courts, though, when you're when you're suing on behalf of your children, you're going to say for on behalf of, and you're going to write your, your kids' initials because since they're under the age of 18, they're protect, protected by the privacy laws and you can't, can't put their full names in there. So, okay. Okay. So with that, you guys, we're a little more than an hour. Um, any, any final thoughts, anything you guys want to throw in Erica or justice? Mine is just, um, it's a repeat is don't be afraid, stick to it. Some of us learn quickly. Some of us don't. And, um, I actually wouldn't even be part of this broadcast, except people always message me and say, thank you for asking those basic questions. Cause that's where my head is, you know? Yeah. So I just like yeah. to be there to do that for people. So don't get intimidated. Um, have patience with yourself, ask lots of questions and whatever you do, don't quit. That's, that's what I say, because that's why we're in the pickle we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're involved in a federal suit right now too. I mean, it's, it's involving James is your, helping your, me. Yep. 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 You're involved in involving your property. So if we just sit back and let these people steamroll us, they're going to do it to someone else. They don't. Yeah. I have one other suggestion too, just, yeah, to, just to make it doable. Cause take a good inventory of how you spend your time. Generally, if you say that you don't have time to do something like this, how much look at your screen time on your phone oh my and God try to determine how much of that was spent on learning something that's going to positively benefit your life. Mm -hmm. And then what I, what I've been doing and my son that I'm homeschooling is, you know, we enrolled in the um, Hillsdale college has a bunch oh, of free courses and mm -hmm. they're very easy to understand. Like yeah. he's 13 years old and he can totally understand everything. Um, it just breaks it down. So make a goal for yourself. It gives you progress reports, even if you're only able to work on your courses for five minutes a week, or, or I'm sure you have more time to spend than that, but just make a real dedicated effort to be spending some time um, learning something that's gonna benefit you. Right, and so much of this is just auditory. So. You know, one of the things that I've been doing in the last year is I put in the headphones and I'll, whether it's rake the leaves or do the garden or vacuum the floor, I'm always get, trying to get good input and learn something. Yeah. 
you know, rather than music or entertainment. That's a great right. suggestion. And there's not a single free minute of my life where I'm not learning something. Right. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, the same all the way. time. I'm if I'm cooking noodles, I'm learning, you know, I've got something open there that, or I'm discussing something of importance or drafting something or, you yeah. know. Yeah. Right. There's an I'm, expression. I'm, the same way. I'm always, always looking for anything, you know, any lectures on the law, any lectures on, on the process and how to do things. I, I love listening to, um, um, to, excuse me, to Randy and Brett on the rule of law. You know, <clears throat> if you're on the telegram um, under the law society, there's an individual who posts all of their, their past episodes. They usually have episodes on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, and you can listen to them on telegram commercial free. They've got a lot of good stuff in there. A lot of good stuff. Randy's been doing this for over 30 something years. So it takes a little bit of a different approach than I do, but you're going to pick up a lot of good gems, a lot of good uh, um, strategies for how to respond to things, you know, and our next episode, I'm going to talk about um, what to do after you've gotten your, 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 your uh, lawsuit is written and talk about what to expect when you file it. What is the other side going to throw at you? Um, how do you write a reply brief? How do you study for stuff like that? So we're going to talk about that on the next episode, but. So James, do most lawsuits have to have affidavits uh, accompany them, correct? So yes and no. Um, okay. when, when I say for us, yes. Okay. You, you're going to want to submit a supporting affidavit that states that everything that I have said in here is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth based on my personal information. Okay. okay. My personal knowledge. The reason why is now that can be admitted as evidence because the other side can cross-examine you. So there's, there's been a myth that affidavits cannot be admitted as affidavit as evidence. Um, and that's only true if it's a third party affidavit. So for example, if I, if I file a lawsuit and I submit my affidavit and then Erica submits an affidavit supporting my lawsuit, her affidavit is hearsay until she's able to be deposed by the other side. Okay. okay. So, so this is the way our adversarial system of justice works is, is both sides have got to be given an option to rebut any claims that are made anywhere that they're made. Okay. So, but, so in uh, the process, I just want to lead people. If you, if you post uh, your lawsuit or questions, if you feel like this is a requirement for your lawsuit to have an affidavit, we've got the steps up affidavits101.com. Yep. You can go there, watch the videos and learn everything about actually getting your affidavit written up as well. Yes. Um, so, you know, we've already had done videos on that, just so you know. Yep. Yeah. And, and like I said, we're happy to, you know, once you get your, your draft done, your draft of your lawsuit, your draft of your affidavit, post it. Uh, we'll review it and we'll, we'll say, yeah, hey, you're, you're missing this or, or you should add this or, or why don't you change the verbiage in your affidavit from, you know, like in, in some, some people, like if you're having, this happens all the time. How many times do we get calls from a debt collector who bought some debt off the, the internet? Right. So I file, I send a rebuttal letter to them and say, Hey, it's not, it's not now, nor has it ever been my intention to avoid paying a lawful debt that I may owe. But in order for me to determine that I'm going to need you to provide verification and validation. <laughs> right. And every time I do that, these people, I never hear from them again. I got to, yeah. I got a letter from the Social Security Administration. They said, hey, we overpaid you guys because uh, my my nephew that lives with us was receiving Social Security. They said, hey, we overpaid you $10,000. You need to pay us back. And I said, uh, 
like crap I am. <laughs> <laughs> I replied back to them and said, uh, you're going to need to provide ver validation and verification of this supposed accounting error. It's been two and a half months. I've heard nothing from them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just, well, it is a government agency. They're, they're, not highly they're, they're operating at the peak of their performance. I get right. It. They hire the best. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's right. Well, Hey, you guys, thanks so much. Uh, Erica, thanks for being on. Thanks for being my co-host justice. Thanks for organizing this. Um, we probably won't be doing another broadcast for a couple of weeks. So I'm going to be traveling next week. So, uh, the next broadcast will probably be in a couple of weeks from now, but we will let you guys know. So until then, Guys, dig into the Constitution, get your causes of action, and let's start suing these people up the wazoo. Okay, okay. any questions, put them up in the chat. Any questions, amen. Thanks, okay. you guys. Everybody take care. All right. Bye, we'll you see guys. You.